The Manage Smarter Show is brought to you by SalesCred, the app that helps salespeople discover why they miss quota and what to do about it. Find out more at salescred.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. You know, Lee, a topic we haven't done on this show in the three years it's been running is employer branding. And honestly, mm-hmm. I didn't even know what that was. Our guest today, this his jam is fascinating. You know, it's like when I first heard the term employer branding, it's like, you know, I'm thinking about the, you know, the, the happy recruiting commercials and videos that, you know, that, that you find online. And, you know, the traditional sense of branding that's typically done by a marketing department or, or an ad agency or something mm-hmm. like that. That's not what we're talking about here today. So this it is going to be a not. fun conversation. Yeah. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. You're about to get schooled in employer branding. I'm Audrey Strong. <laughs> I'm the vice president of communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I am the CEO of SalesFuel. And Brian Adams is our guest today, the CEO and founder of PH Creative, a global employer branding agency. He is a prominent employer brand thought leader. He's a podcaster, speaker, and author of Give and Get Employer Branding. And PH Creative, his agency, has built a world-class employer brand and talent engagement um, is part of the strategies. They work with some of the top brands, I mean, American Airlines, some other brands, and uh Brian, I guess we just want to say welcome to the show. And obviously, the first question I got to ask you is, what is employer branding? Welcome. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Really looking forward to a spirited conversation. And this is my favorite topic. Happy to talk about it. So employer brand is essentially the reputation you have as an employer. And it's they're designed to uh, make you more compelling to your, your talent audience to make recruitment easier and retention stronger. So this is not, I mean, the target market, the audience is actually what's different here because your audience then are, you know, your your potential employees, maybe your existing employees, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily customers of the company. Is that right? It is right. Uh, And sometimes it gets weird, wonderful, and interesting when they overlap crossed over. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Especially for like retail organizations, companies with a big consumer base, typically they're, they're marketing to a talent audience that actually are their customers. Um, You know, so that, that can be interesting, but essentially you're right. It is a distinct different audience. And yet this is about attracting, um, talents towards your organization it's not branding for for customers who's in charge of that at at, at the companies you work for wow i've seen it change over the years now it's not uncommon for there to be a head of employer branding Hmm. um 80 of the contracts that we sign are by heads of talent attraction um and and usually it comes from hr or a chief people officer in, in some way shape or form so you say you want to repel the many and compel the few to join your organization. And that saves you at least just was saying before you showed up, well, that's great because you avoid all these headaches of people who really shouldn't be working for you anyway. But how does that work? I mean, yes. So this is the, this is probably the biggest difference, you know, employer branding uh, has probably been around just over 10 years and it, um, it was a lift and shift from, from marketing and, 
if Apple can market and advertise to somebody who can afford an iPhone, you're going to get an iPhone. Like, you know, that's that's no problem at all. On the other side of the coin, we market jobs. Typically, you might get over 100 or sometimes you get a 1,000 applicants for that one job. So actually, you're in the business of rejecting more people than you can bring on. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is still a conventional wisdom in the marketplace for employer brand that you want to be attractive to your entire audience. And I'm on a mission to change that. I want us to be compelling, but not attractive to everybody. You know, if you can make your talent audience self-select out because they're not right for your company, then you've just done everybody a big favor. You know, so that's that's the biggest difference. Sort of like a dating app, right? I mean, like you, you don't want to attract everybody <laughs> into your profile. <laughs> Right now, it's like actually you you don't. There's certain derelicts and catfishers and people like that that you don't want to attract. <laughs> so. That's exactly it. That's but we, exactly we, it. But so, but like, so our question was then. This begs the question. Lee and I were wondering then how transparent should you be? Let's say I'm on the HR of a big global brand that I think is super cool. Like, how? What do you say initially to have people self-select out but not scare everybody away? Yeah, it's a good question. Your boss is a narcissistic asshole. You're going to be working weekends. <laughs> Which you know what? You're not too far away from the uh, from the truth. There. You know, and essentially, like a PH, we talk about like always sell the truth. You know, and it, you are selling, but but the truth is usually the differentiator. And if I said to you, listen, um, here's five reasons not to come and work here then what that does from a psychological perspective, not to get too deep, is yeah. it immediately creates intrigue, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. The, goal, the goal here is to give you all the, all the information you need to make a more informed decision. And the fact is some challenge or some adversity or a harsh reality would really turn somebody on because they're like, I'm up for that. Like, that sounds great, you know? But some with a different level of, of you know a pain threshold that's that's less would say actually that that sounds awful that's not for me and that's the goal to polarize uh, an external audience while galvanizing the internal audience because they already know it to be true so now we're showing much more appreciation uh, and acknowledgement for an internal audience you know so it, it serves two purposes as well you know on our team trait platform at sales fuel we we measure uh, this thing called career clarity and where I find this to be very useful is that when someone has low in career clarity, but they're interviewing for a job with you, that typically means that they're just trying to escape the job that they're in now. They're looking for a, a place to jump <laughs> off to. And when that happens or whatever, it's really important then for uh, the employer, the interviewer, that basically to be brutally honest about what the job entails and the, 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 the you know the, the cons as well as the pros for it and everything like that, kind of you know, slap them, or this, hit them with a splash of reality and everything like that so that they don't end up just jumping to your company just so that so they can get away from the company they're unhappy with. Does that make any sense? It, it sure does, you know, and we've seen that with, you know, the great resignation or the great epiphany, as I call it, you know, people have mm. you know, woken up and decided, hey, like, I want more from my own career, I want more from my own life, I, you know, I, I want my circumstance to be different. So they've quit their job and jumped into a new job based on the the shiny prospect of working from home or or whatever. But actually, maybe they haven't done their full homework and realized that there's just as many cons to the pros. Uh, You know, so we're still seeing ripples of people moving jobs, possibly not doing their homework or 
um, organizations not being clear enough with their proposition. Can you give me the buckets of like of examples of what those transparent nuggets would be in a video? Well, is it like, oh, you'll be doing, you could be on any shift any day. Is it shift, you know, your schedule's like this or you're on your feet for 12 hours or um, our culture like Amazon, our culture has very high metrics and we will be continually moving the bar. What are some of the other things that you sh- would be something you would share? So um, when you look at Apple and Microsoft, and we've worked with both of them, so I know their culture fairly well. On paper, they actually look quite the same. You know, they're they're, you know massive tech companies, global. um, You know, you've got huge career opportunities in both. There's challenging work. They they actually look quite similar from one respect, but Apple is driven from a relationship perspective, very um, very low level of structure. You know, you have to build relationships to get ahead there. Um, you're expected to work 18 hours a day. Um, if, if you if you don't invest in um, understanding parts of the business, you'll find it difficult to get help and so, so on and so forth. So it's very relationship-based, very intense. Um, whereas you look at Microsoft, it's very hierarchical. It's very structured. It's very supportive by nature. Um, you know, and it's it's a very different culture. So, so it's about getting to the the real, the reality of the working environment, and then being very clear with what the capabilities are, not just the skills and the sort of mm-hmm. um, the things you need to survive in your role, but also elements of resilience. You know, you might have to work alone a lot of the time. You might have to, you know. In, independence is one thing, but you've got to be autonomous to the point where you've got no direction. You need to be confident with that. Or it might be a lot of red tape, so you need patience and endurance. So one, like moving from banking and insurance to retail might be a culture shock from you know, the pace perspective. Um, so it, it changes depending on your, um, your culture uh, and what you have to offer. Uh, and it's it's just about being clear with that, you know. Where would you start with a company that you know, in their minds, they think their, their culture is is one thing and everything like that. But when a prospective employee goes to Glassdoor, Fishbowl, or any other place online or wherever, they see a totally different reputation. Where do you start with a client like that? <laughs> well, I've never met a client that doesn't have an element of that. Um, we do a lot of research. We look at the leadership view. They give you the aspirational truth, you know, this, the sunny side of the reality. Uh, but they do give you a directional indication of where the business is going, which is important. Then the employee view, they give you the warts and all. You know, that that uh, research can be a little bit like therapy sessions at times, but you get the full 360 of what it's really like. And then we look at the market view, what you need to differentiate against, what you're calibrating for, you know, against from a, a relevance and differentiation perspective. And then we get to hold the mirror up and we walk into leaderships. I've, I've been in many a boardroom and presented news that they they don't they don't particularly like or or they're surprised by. Um, you know, because it's not it's not what the leaders think it's it's the reality of the situation. So those three views are really important. And my favorite is the leaders of an organization will largely tell you that they have a very inclusive organization. And of course, when you think about it, 
they're included and welcome and able and capable and, and they have the authority to walk into any room and speak to anybody and they usually are met with smiles and you know happiness and because that's the bubble they're in you know right. so a lot of what we do is about dispelling perception and and, and distilling perception versus reality and holding a mirror up to organizations which i've got to tell you is is a lot of fun <laughs> have you ever been thrown out of a board boardroom i'm doing that <laughs> i've come close I've come yeah oh man you wrote uh just because you have a powerful consumer brand does not mean that you attract the best employee talent so where generally is the most common disconnect from that i've actually experienced that but um yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've, I've worked for for a lot of brands that have a very emotional tie to their consumer audience and people who just are in love with or obsessed by a brand, and they will blindly join an organization thinking it's going to be just like in their mind's eye of like what they conjure up from an identity perspective of, yes. of the consumer brand, only to find a completely different version of reality. So a big part of employer brand strategy is setting expectations. Um, you know, we call that the employee value proposition. Um, and in the book, we we set that out as a give and a get. It's a two-way value exchange. Here's what we can offer you, strengths, benefits, opportunities. But here's what we ask in return. And, and that information is not only still freshingly different in the marketplace, because most brands still just try and brag the way to attract talent, Um it's probably the most efficient way of saving a lot of people a lot of time um, if you're not matched to that culture and you're not going to rise to the challenge and you don't want to put in the sacrifice and commitment, et cetera. Um, but if you do get that right, you you quickly discover the value of nurturing and foster, fostering a very well-defined culture where everyone's A, pulling in the right direction, B, finding purpose, impact, and belonging, and C, adding value to the business, delivering what the business needs. So even the organizational leaders are happy with the culture that's been built. And that, you know, that's, that's, that's the goal. When does the honest talk happen? Does it happen like after you've gotten a recruit then to express an interest in working for your company, or does it happen before you know, they actually then put in an application to, to, to work there? Yeah. So a lot of the time it happens after and it, and it shouldn't. Um, mm, yeah. I talk about the three A's of um, attention, affinity, and then affection. And usually there's some sort of aspirational message in the marketplace that is designed to get attention, and that's okay. But when somebody leans in and they qualify themselves, uh, they show interest, that's when you need to present the proposition and say, hey, if you're, if you're serious about applying for a job here, here's the reasons people um, here's the reasons people join and here's the reason people stay. Well, here's the watchouts. Here's the things that you need to know in order to assess whether you've got what it takes to thrive. So it's definitely before the application, and then it should be reinforced during the candidate experience. Um, and actually, that that really should govern um, the the recruitment process to determine whether culturally you're a, a match or an ad. Um, you don't want that reality to land after they've joined. Like that's the worst case scenario. Even if you have like a 90 day probation or something like that, where they could, you know, peace out. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I'm learning that doesn't mean an, an awful lot in America uh, anyway. Okay. Um, 
but it, think, I mean, it's inconvenient, but think of the cost and think of the disruption yeah. and just think of the sheer stress on the candidate when they, they realize this isn't the place for me. Um, there's a whole lot of downsides to to not setting expectations before somebody joins. Well, I think about it attitudinally. Yeah, it's like I kind of feel like I've been misled or I've been had or snookered or whatever. It's like mm. this is not you know what I you know what you told me that it was going to be. Even though you never told them it was going to be like that, they painted that own picture in their mind. But because you weren't uh, candidly honest with them, you know, and transparent about things. In the beginning, they put the blame on you for, you know, thinking that you hired them under false pretenses. Yeah, that's right. You know, and what's interesting about this is if you better set somebody's expectations, that same candidate, if they know what they're walking into, the same reality, if they're better prepared, then actually how they react and how they acclimatize and how they onboard and how they start to thrive it can be radically different. Um, you know, and it is a, it's a mindset thing, but, um, but yeah, setting expectations saves a lot of time. It's more ethical. It makes better business sense. Uh, it's better all around. I want to go back to something you, you said earlier about going to the boardroom and sharing news. That's not necessarily good or surprising. Uh, what's the common thread? What's the, the what's the bad news or surprising news or whatever that you have to give most often in a, in a situation like that? Well, number one is we usually find people don't pay very well. Uh, you know, people will think that they're very competitive when perhaps they're not as competitive as they need to be from a, a compensation and benefits perspective. Um, you know, it, it varies, but, you know, sometimes we'll find there'll be um, an overwhelming majority of people at a company might say it's too hard to progress my career here um, or I don't get the learning and development support that I want or uh, work-life balance isn't where it needs to be and usually there's an indication unless there's a leadership that is very very detached to their from their organization which is rare usually it's just about degree of severity um, and we do one of our elements of research, and it's so simple but very effective, is we ask the employee base a couple of questions. One is, what do you want most from your employer and your career? And there's a list of 39 things to choose from. And then we ask, what does this employer do best? So we get the top 10 of what people want, and we overlay that with the top 10 of what you do best. Um, and usually you're lucky if, if, if five out of 10 overlap. You know, that disparity can usually shock a boardroom. Interesting. That's fascinating. Do you, um, in your case studies, um, have, you, have you seen an average increase in retention rate at the companies you've worked with of talent? Yeah, I mean, retention is a, a very basic metric. What we like to look at is regrettable loss. Um, you oh. know, so how many of those people are you sorry left? You know, how many would you rehire? Because... When you introduce an employer brand, you're better articulating and defining the culture that you have and the culture that you want. Sometimes it's about letting go of some behaviors that, that aren't welcome. Um, a lot of the time, it's the catalyst to change, and some people aren't comfortable with that. So sometimes employer brand encourages a little bit of churn for the good. Um, so... Um, we look at rather than a volume of, of applicants coming in, we look at the percentage of valued applicants coming in because that tells us whether our smart filter is working well or not. And then on the back end, um, 
it's regrettable loss rather than retention. However, overall, usually retention improves. Um, you know, if there might be a, a bit of a sort of a shockwave in the first three, six, nine months, and then it sure. settles down and improves. Yeah. Is there uh, does it would it make sense then for an employer to kind of coach an employee on here? Here are the things you really got to look for. It's because so that when they get that email from another company that's promising them, you know, forty percent increase in pay and everything like that, that they really have to consider, you know, that you know how true is this? You know, is this number? But also it's like you know, look at all the other things that you know that are important to you or whatever, and you know, will you get that so that. Maybe the idea there is, is to help retain them and help them stay a little bit longer or at least to be more critical, you know, when they get those types of emails in their inbox. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the big thing is you don't want it to be an elephant in the room that nobody's talking about and you never know when mm-hmm. somebody's going to leave and so on and so forth. Um, you know, there's a lot of research to say that, you know, if, if you're just going to stay for two years, let's be clear about that. Let's get your best two years and then we're going to celebrate the next stage of, of your, your career uh, and build a great alumni community which further uh, extends your reputation and you know you get to double down on that but when we launch an employer brand we always say start by re-recruiting the talent you've got remind them why they're here the grass isn't always greener remind them why they join remind them why they stay remind them why they're appreciated and valued and remind them that you know acknowledge what it takes to thrive and the skills that they've garnered whilst they're here and the relationships that they've forged while they're here and that goes a long way to to um contributing towards retention absolutely absolutely well your website is ph-creative.com and twitter brian with a y underscore phc this has been the fastest 20 minutes i think we've had in a long time brian thank you very interesting (laughs) so brian have you ever met the the more famous brian adams well i've i've met a lot of disappointed (laughs) receptionists that were hoping to meet the other brian adams i did i did check into british airways check check in desk in um heathrow airport once only to discover the other brian adams um checked in an hour before me oh Um, you just uh, just just missed him yeah there you go well if you're taking new clients just reach out to you through the website sound good yeah so my Twitter handle was recently hacked and I'm no longer oh, on no. Twitter. It was just okay. taken off me. Um, so wow. LinkedIn is, is where I'm more, more um, prevalent. Uh, catch me on LinkedIn or through the website, yeah. Sounds good. Thanks so much. The very interesting stuff. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.